welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to share this morning, continue on a little bit more on this topic of money matters. I have been wrestling with this a lot over the last couple of weeks and I think one of the things that I struggle with, it is, if you know me well, you know that it's really not in my nature to be bossy or to tell people what to do. Other people have that wonderful gift, I don't. And so uh, sometimes when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, and there are certain topics, and this is one of them, there are other topics as well, but there are certain topics that I find difficult to talk about without feeling like I'm being bossy or telling you what to do. And so I wrestle with this a lot. But I know that this is one of the topics that the Bible talks about and instructs us about. So we need to uh, be uh, educated about what the Bible says. We need to know what God says. And I absolutely believe, without a doubt, that honouring God with our finance, with our money, unlocks blessing in our life. And I don't want you to miss out on that, so I'm going to overcome some of my um, uncomfortableness around this kind of stuff, and I'm going to do my best to share some stuff from you, from the stuff with you from the Word, not from you, but with you, from God's Word that talks about giving our first and our best to God. And this is one of the the themes that runs right throughout Scripture, and I don't think that I would have to convince you or, or do any great mental gymnastics or, or, or exposition to convince you that uh, God is worthy of our best. But we're going to look at some stuff from Scripture and see how that applies. Bringing God our first and best because it's His. Um, we talk often about how the Lord is the earth and everything that's, uh, that's in it belongs to Him. We talk about how he has rescued us and redeemed us and, and purchased us with the blood of His Son. And, and so us and everything that we are belongs to Him. And so I've called the, the message this morning, First Things First. It is always good to get the most important things in our life sorted out, isn't it? It is good to get those things that really matter nutted out and in order and in priority in our life. And this is one of those things that, that I believe that if we um, get this priority and this order right in our life, then other things will fall into place after it. Uh, the last time I shared a couple of weeks ago, um, I talked about, we, we looked at that scripture that, that when God says uh, to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, to, to pursue God and God's plan for our life, and then all the other things in our life kind of fall into place after it. He takes care of stuff for us if our priority is Him. Uh, and last week we talked about the amazing ministry of Christians Against Poverty and uh, uh, the, the things that they do and the opportunities that we have as a church to be part of ministering into releasing and setting people free from debt and, and financial stress and worry and how many of us are, are probably uh, now at this point in our lives very aware of the, the stress that um, money can bring into our life? 
It, it, it seems like everything's getting more expensive with petrol going back up again and it's amazing how many people were, uh, how long the, the queues were at the petrol station when they announced that the excise tax was uh, going back up to its normal levels again and everybody's like buying petrol like it's about to run out. But we, we know, don't we, the, the financial uh, pressure at the moment is quite high. And so, I don't know, if you're anything like me... I, I want and I need God's blessing on my finances. Is that fair? Would that be good? To know that God is blessing what you put your hand to, that God is blessing what you have in your bank account, that God is blessing the work of your hands, that God is blessing the things that you are investing into. That would be great to know, wouldn't it? All right, so let's take a look at some things. I'm going to look at um, Exodus chapter 13. Uh, looking at this principle of first, do you have this up here, I think, on the screen? Um, it's, it's kind of post uh, God rescuing Israel out of slavery. So we're going to look at this and, and talk about this just a little bit this morning. It says, this is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise He swore to you and your ancestors. When He gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to Him. Notice that it doesn't say He wants them as a gift or as a sacrifice, it says they belong to Him, this language that He uses here. It says, A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son and as a firstborn son in my family I'm very grateful that that was not an option but yeah Uh, and in the future your children will ask you what does all this mean then you will tell them with the power of his mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt the place of our slavery Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. I just want to just want to kind of explain something that you may not be aware of in relation to this, and I thought this was really interesting. He talks about. I don't know if you find it curious. If you ever stop and kind of think, that was a really strange thing for the Lord to be very specific about in that instruction. Do you ever find yourself like stopping and reading something in the Bible and going, God was like He mentioned this specific thing. Like in this particular instance, He talks specifically about donkeys. Now, why were donkeys so special that, like, they can be redeemed and not other things? As as much as I can work out, and in reading and trying to study this and figure this out, the answer that I came up with is that donkeys are not particularly special in and of themselves. But it's one of those things where God picks a thing to be a representative of, a principle. 
in this particular passage of scripture on this particular practice that God was instituting the donkey represented unclean animals the donkey was one of the unclean animals remember how they have clean animals that are appropriate for sacrifice and eating and then there was other unclean animals that they wouldn't you couldn't use for a sacrifice and you weren't supposed to eat and that kind of stuff so you have an unclean animal like that represent a donkey that represents unclean animals that can be redeemed and brought back. But what does it say? I think it's on this. So the firstborn donkey must be, if it's when it's redeemed, it must be brought back by presenting a lamb, which was a clean animal, in its place. You and I, when we were born spiritually, were we clean or unclean? We were unclean. We were tainted by sin, weren't we? We only have to look at, you know, uh, for for those of you who are parents, how many of you had to teach your children to sin? (laughs) Not many, I shouldn't imagine. There's There's that whole, it just seems to come so naturally, doesn't it? But what we do have to teach our children is how to be kind, how to obey and listen to the rules and follow instructions and all those kinds of things but but sin is kind of one of those things that it's just naturally part of of human nature and we needed to be redeemed we needed to be bought back didn't we and so we were replaced with the lamb the lamb who became the sacrifice for us jesus who was born clean and became the sacrifice for us to free us out of slavery we look at this principle of first we see this principle of first also in right back in genesis how many of you have ever wondered why abel's sacrifice was accepted and cain's wasn't anybody ever thought about that some of you may have thought about that and know the answer already. I looked at this and I've, I've thought about lots of different reasons why this might be. But for me, it, it comes, it's evident here in this passage of Scripture. It says, when they grew up, this is in Genesis 4, it says, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Do you hear the language of first here? Do you see how it's there in Abel's sacrifice, but there's no mention of first in Cain's? It just says he brought some of the fruit. It doesn't say he brought the first fruit or or the best or anything from... Um, what he brought. Exodus chapter 20. When the Ten Commandments, what was the very first commandment that God gave? I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me or before me. The first commandment, God must be first. God is first. We often talk about putting God first but the reality is that God is first, whether he's first in our life or not anyway, isn't he? Proverbs chapter 3, 
verse 9 and 10. Most of us know Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, but how many of you know 9 and 10? It says, Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. That word best can also be translated as first, the first and best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. This is not, you know, it's not like, it's, it's important sometimes to remember what part of the Bible we're reading. Uh, it's important to note that this is not part of the law, this is one of the books of wisdom. So this is not a command, this is just Solomon's wisdom. He's saying, here's some good advice. If you do this, then, there, then this happens. Jesus in Matthew 22, and it's also recorded in Luke, but he was asked, you know, which is the most important commandment out of all the commandments? And Jesus replied, we, we are familiar with these words. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we see this principle again and again and again that God says, I deserve to be first i i will be first in your life i need to be first in your life and when it talks about people who who brought offerings to god or brought things to god it was was always the first and the best god deserves nothing less than our first and our best now first corinthians 16 um, there's a passage of scripture where, where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he's talking about taking up a collection for the people in Jerusalem. I just want to look at this for a minute because he's talking a little bit more practically and, uh, and applicably for us in terms of finance here and money. He says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Okay, so what's the context here? Essentially, Paul's writing to this church that they're taking up a collection for the believers in Jerusalem. The, the Jerusalem church was the first church. It's where most of the apostles had been, where um, the day of Pentecost and everything, the Holy Spirit had descended and... Uh, and established that church but they were in experiencing a time of quite intense persecution and struggle they were being prevented from being able to, to find jobs and earn money they were having stuff confiscated and taken away and so there was this real kind of need for the churches in other areas to help support the Jerusalem church however it wasn't really like today where you could just, you know, take some money and just, you know, put it in their bank account and then they'd be able to get it, um, you know, out of their bank account the next day or in a couple of days or anything like that. It kind of wasn't really the way that things worked. You had to actually physically collect up cash, something that I think we seem to be phasing out more and more of the use of in our world today, don't we? And then you actually had to travel to the, and give it physically to the person or give it to someone who could go and take it to the person that you wanted, it to, uh, wanted to be the recipient of your gift. Now from, Jerus- uh, from Corinth in Greece around to Jerusalem in Israel was quite a trek. This was not a, 
uh, a Sunday afternoon outing to go down. This was um, something around uh, 2,200 kilometres away. Uh, if you take the, the bit where you sort of do a bit of a journey across the sea for the first part, otherwise it's more like 3,000 kilometres. That's a long way. 2,200 k's is like whale at a Perth, roughly, that sort of vicinity. And there's no aeroplanes, there's no cars. Yeah, you might have a donkey or a horse if you're lucky, but often it was travel on foot. I don't know about you, but I'm not signing up to do any 2,200 kilometre trips on foot anytime soon (laughs) with a big bag of cash (laughs) that's right so normally they would travel in groups they would travel with a caravan they would be very uh, quiet and private about what they were transporting and not flash it around Uh, but but it was a long journey and probably an expensive journey we're talking probably weeks of travel um Uh, to get there and so what they would do is that they would save up as much as they could over a period of time sometimes this would be like a year's worth of taking up collections and gathering it all together getting one great big bag of cash and and then taking it all in one big trip because it wasn't the kind of trip that you could do every few weeks or every month or whatever it was like maybe every year or a couple of years you'd make a trip like this And I was kind of looking into this and studying this and I started to understand a little bit more why Paul, as he was travelling around with some of his missionary journeys, why, you know, you would often hear about him staying in a particular place for six months or a year or sometimes even a couple of years before journeying on to the next place. You know, because who knows how many years it would be before he'd be able to come back to that place again and you know, constantly being on the road would be tiring, so he would stay there and try to get as much value out of that visit with that church as he could before sort of going on the next trek of weeks or months or however long it was before he got to where he was going. But what struck me as, as interesting, I was kind of looking into this kind of story, and I'm thinking, well, if, if this is kind of the situation and they're taking up these collections and putting aside bits of money here and bits of money there and basically like saving up for probably what was a a year or more why did Paul specifically instruct them to set aside their money on the first day of the week why did it matter why did it matter whether they put aside their money on Sunday or Wednesday or Friday or you know whatever day it might be there's a couple of reasons that I think as I begin to think about this and pray about this and some things about this principle of putting God first. Some are kind of practical and some are kind of spiritual, but I want to kind of look at a couple of these things. Firstly, when we put aside the money that we're giving to God first, um, it's proactive and not reactive. It's allowing God to set our priorities instead of letting our circumstances set our priorities we can give in obedience to the holy spirit's direction not give based on what we've got left and what we haven't managed to spend yet i don't know about you but if you're anything like me if i know i've got a thousand dollars to spend i'll manage to spend a thousand dollars isn't that right honey absolutely If I know I've got $900 to spend, then I'll spend $900. 
if, you, uh, if that's you and that's me, like for me, I can adjust my lifestyle to whatever my income is and, and amazingly not have a lot left over at the end. Some of you are probably the opposite. Some of you are more like Kerry and you're like squirreling everything away that you possibly can and not spending anything, but I'm a spender. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She's got to keep a secret for me in all her separate bank accounts so that I don't see it. <laughs> but when we, alloc- when we kind of decide at the beginning what we give to God, then we give with that knowledge. It forces us to be intentional and thoughtful about what we do with our money. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, Paul's writing. This is a, in a later letter to this same church. He says, "Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, give cheerfully and without compulsion." But I don't know. Have you ever made a decision about giving something to the church or or giving something to God, and you felt God put that on your heart, but then you didn't do it right away, and by the time you got around to it, either there wasn't enough money left, or it was like or it was like really tight. Some of you are probably way too spiritual to do something like that and you're always obedient and you always give it straight away when God prompts you. But here's that thing, when, it, when I thought of that kind of idea, because that's the kind of thing that, that I might do sometimes, all right? I'm just, confession time, f- full disclosure. Some of you here today are probably way better at honouring God with your money and way smarter financially than what I am. But when, when, when Paul says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, that should be based on listening to the Holy Spirit, not based on what we've got left. When, when we don't uh, manage our money, when we don't give first, we're not always left in a position where we're able to give what we actually wanted to give and felt like God was prompting us to give. Okay, so giving first means that we are proactive and not reactive. It means that we are intentional and we are thoughtful and we can be obedient. But it also requires us to trust God. Giving first requires faith, doesn't it? When you give God the first, you're trusting that the rest will come. For Israel, for the Hebrews who were for shepherds, giving the firstborn lamb meant that they had to trust that, that there would be more. This was their livelihood. You don't wait until you have 10 lambs and then you pick the one that you don't really like. And then give that one to God. You, you, you give the first and you trust that He will provide the blessing and the increase to the others. When Another example, when Israel entered into the Promised Land, and you can read about this in, in the book of Joshua, chapter 5 and 6. Um, who remembers the story of Jericho? City with the big walls. The first city that they came up against the biggest, baddest, most defensive 
kind of city just about in the whole region, the toughest nut to crack. And God says, go and attack that one first. But God also instructed Joshua and the people of Israel that every single bit of spoils from that city that they captured was to be completely and utterly devoted to God. They were not to take any animals, they were not to take any slaves, they were not to take any riches or money or clothes, they were not to take anything from the spoils of Jericho. They were to devote the first entirely to God. Now that requires a little bit of faith, doesn't it? Not only did it require faith to do what they did in, you know, marching around the, the walls of the city and hoping that they just fall down. Um, <laughs> that, that requires quite an amount of faith. But it requires faith to say, we've got all of these riches here that we could put to very good use, but we're going to devote it to God because if we devote this to God, then we know that God will bless the rest of our time, that God will continue to provide. If we honour God with our first, then He will continue to provide. How many of you know that faith pleases God? How many of you know that God honours faith, that God rewards faith, that God blesses faith? In that story of Jericho, I don't know if you remember, but there was one particular man called Achan and his family who took some of the gold and silver from the city of Jericho. He hid it in his tent. Israel, Israel went out, you know, on the, hot on the, the heels of this amazing success at Jericho, went out to capture this little town, thought, ah, this is going to be an absolute walkover, and um, got their backsides kicked because they had not been obedient in, in devoting that first to God. And they came back and they discovered what had happened and it was only when they were obedient in giving that first uh, portion of the spoils of the land to God that God blessed their success from that point on. I think this is really important because we want to be blessed by God. We want God to be with us in the things that we do in our life. We want God to be with us in our workplaces and blessing the things that we do, blessing the things that we work for, blessing our homes, blessing our families, blessing our finances. But do we honour God with the first? Do we honour God with the best? Are we expecting to just keep it all and that God will just continue to bless us in that when we're not honouring Him with what He's already given to us. As I said before, many of you excel in honouring God with your finance. Many of you excel at giving. Many of you are better at it than I am. But I want to give all of us, and me included, this challenge for today. Are we giving to God our first and our best? Are we honouring God with our finance? Are we trusting Him to provide what we need? Or are we holding back what's rightfully His? 
Are we giving him only what's left over? Are we giving him only what's safe out of our abundance? Are we only giving him what we know we won't need? Or like the widow who put her only two coins in and Jesus commended her over and above the the rich guy who was splashing his cash. Jesus commended that widow and says she gave what she couldn't even afford. Paul writes about um, some of the churches in the New Testament. He says they, they gave over and above what they could even, out of their poverty and their joy, it overwhelmed and overflowed into this generous gift in faith and trusting that God our Father will take care of our needs. Maybe the challenge for you this morning is to be more consistent in your regular giving to God's house. Not just for special projects or missions things. Maybe you're generous when it comes to those things, but you've not yet developed that practice of regular and consistent giving your first and your best into God's house. And maybe he's challenging you on that this morning. Maybe he's challenging you to to increase what you give. Maybe he's putting that on your heart. Maybe you know that you've been giving consistently but only a small amount. And God is saying, I want you to want to stretch your faith. I want you to give not what's safe but what is God honouring. What requires you to put your faith and your trust in Him. Maybe He's prompting you this morning to be open to that leading of His Spirit. To, to think about ways that you can use your finance and what He's put into your hand to be God-honouring. There are a lot of ways that we can honour God with our money, isn't there? Maybe He's challenging you. Maybe He's saying, I want you to learn to hear my voice. I want you to learn how to, to give generously and spontaneously when I lead you. And we pray together this morning. Father, you are king over all things. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of everything that we have. Every gift that we could ever give would not even begin to repay the debt that we owe. You gave your son Jesus who shed his blood to restore us and to redeem us, to buy us back. Father, everything that we have belongs to you. Father, we pray that you would be speaking to our hearts, that you would be challenging us, giving us wisdom in how we use our finances. God, we pray that you would give us the courage to trust you and to give you our first and our best. We pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to use our money to honour you, to bring glory to your name. Father, I pray that you would be speaking to us, leading us, guiding us, challenging us. We sang that song this morning. You call me out upon the water. Talking about getting out of our depth, 
out into the scary place, out where we have to trust you. And Lord, I pray that we would take that principle and apply it into this area of our life too. Lord, that as we, we listen to your voice, as we give you our first and our best, as we are honoring you with our finances, God, that we would be willing to go out to those the scary places where we have to trust you to keep us afloat. That we might see your hand at work. That we might know you as Father. We might know you as our provider. We might know you as the one who is worthy of it all, of every sacrifice, of every gift. Thank you for everything that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.